Behind the Mask Hockey Shops present College Hockey Southwest Live for June 6th, 2021. Tonight's scheduled guest is real-life superfan Victor Penman. Behind the Mask College Hockey Southwest Live brought to you by Verizon Wireless. Experience Verizon's 5G and 5G Ultra Band for business. Verizon Wireless 5G built right. The NCHC and NCHC.TV. Subscribe to nchc.tv to watch the best in college hockey since 2013. Behind the Mask Hockey Shops. Visit any of our Three Valley locations or go to BehindTheMask.com whether you're on ice or in line. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. For the best margaritas and more, go to CancionTequila.com to see how to get your bottle today. UNLV Hockey. ACHA Division I Hockey under the bright lights of Las Vegas. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, dine-in, take-out, or catering your next event at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. Caesars Entertainment Resorts. Anywhere you want to go, you can bet there's a Caesars Resort in the center of the action. And by Burrito Express, the East Valley's home of the always-available breakfast burrito. Go to burritoexpress.com for the location near you. College Hockey Southwest Live, presented by Behind the Mask, is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right. Welcome in, hockey fans, college hockey fans, NCAA hockey fans, if we can narrow it down to that much. Uh, this is College Hockey Southwest Live. This is supposed to be our reaction show, the show that uh, you get a chance to uh, visit with us and react to uh, what's going on in the uh, NCAA hockey world. However, of course, it's the off season, so there's not a whole lot going on as far as things on the ice obviously there's some off ice things so college hockey southwest live presented by behind the mask has become a forum for great conversation and nobody better to bring it to you than my co-host paul hornstein so scott strandy in scottsdale arizona paul hornstein of beautiful long island new york paul how are you there's stuff going out on in the ice <laughs> really? No, I said you, there well, was. you said there's not a whole lot going out on the ice. What, what's going on, on the ice? Oh, okay. Ho, ho, hold on a minute. Our guest next Sunday night, uh, Jackson Caster, could not come on tonight because he was traveling back to St. Cloud, Minnesota to guess right. what? Start working out and training for next season. So, yeah, there's stuff yeah, going on that, in no, the no, ice. No, 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 that's not on the ice. Oh, yeah, they'll be on the ice. They'll no, be on the ice. Oh, that's against NCAA regulations. Uh, they can do whatever they want to do as long as it's not team organized. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the NCAA. Don't even get me started. Is he with there the now? They're not on the ice now. Okay, don't get me started with the NCAA. Don't even go down that road because listen, you know it's either, we're going to go. Listen, it's either that or. Listen to people complain about the officiating in the NHL playoffs. <laughs> then have officiating in, then, in the end, problems. Issues? Then ha then have the officials call an absolute five minute spearing penalty, only to have the league call down to the penalty box and say, "Yeah, that was no big deal. He only took a stick and basically tried to saw his you know what's off." Now give him two minutes. <laughs> And then have the coach of that team that only got a two-minute penalty complain that they're not getting calls. Are you kidding? So we can talk about that or the NCAA. You could choose. Uh, well, I did see a play just now in the uh, Colorado uh, 
uh, Vegas game where Kale McCarr was called for interference entering the zone on the power play uh, because he turned his back and ran into uh, Riley Smith. Uh, yeah, it's going to get interesting before this is all said and done. There's no doubt about it. But I'm just saying. So the, we get, those are. I mean, those are just a couple of your options. We can talk about. You what, know, you, what, you're the one that's going to complain about the NCAA. Uh, I'm. Uh, Okay, th- this is the NCAA show, so tomorrow night we'll we'll hash out what goes on in professional hockey. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyway, I I wanted to throw this out there tonight. I was thinking, um, it's it's time that we hear from some fans or a fan or a person that's highly involved in in what's going on at least at Arizona State. I call him an alum. He's not an alum, but on it. If you see him dressed, he looks like an alum, right? He's got ASU stuff from top to bottom. He's been our uh, number one supporter since the day we came on as uh, Ice Time Hockey Southwest. So in a minute, we're going to bring on Victor Pemmon. We're going to talk a little hockey with him. So give us just a couple of minutes to uh, hash things over a little bit with what's going on in the world of college hockey. Well, you make it sound like being in – I mean – I mean, if he's going to wear ASU stuff all the time, I'm okay with that. (laughs) I figured you would be. (laughs) Uh, But as we get into it, we'll talk a little bit about his thoughts on the arena. We'll talk about uh, his his life in Vancouver and uh, all the the people that he's run into in the hockey world up there, which is just numerous, and uh, some superstars and some rising superstars. So there's a bunch to talk with Victor about when he comes on. Um, RMU is not going away. The discussion's not going away. Uh, what's new, Paul? The latest. Um, the, uh, it does seem that uh, folks have gone into um, hiding. I don't want to say no because that would make it sound like that like people are not talking about it. I just don't think they're talking about it uh, in public forums like this. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um, on there was uh, a letter publicized from uh, a group that runs a lot of ice rinks in the Pennsylvania area talking about how they'll let Robert Morris play for free. They'll take over the operations of the arena and or a, something along those lines, and it won't cost the school money to play. Now I'm paraphrasing. I, I could sit here and, and try to read the little baby fine print that uh, oh, don't go down that road. Took. No, don't go down that road. Um, but um, who knows what would come out when you're trying to read that? Oh, I can't. What the heck is, <laughs> um, let's see if we can find out the black bear sports group. Okay. Um, let's see if we can just give you the first paragraph. Um, their founder and CEO, uh, is, like I said, is offering, it says here, they're, they're offering to buy the Robert Morris Island sports center from you. We need some very simple information, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if we receive these materials in time, we can buy your rink by July 31st so that the team will be situated to play and practice in the fall. So uh, that came out. When did I take that pic? When did I take that screenshot? From what you've heard, Paul, though, is that the biggest? Well, that's, listen, you're talking about. the biggest issue, the ice rink? Isn't that always the issue? 
Um, not always. I mean, you got scholarships you got to cover. You got Title Nine you got to cover. You got well, they, like, they, Title expenses. Nine is covered. Title Nine is covered because yeah. we're talking about the men's and women's programs. Yeah, but so what that's I'm not an is, issue here. I, but what I'm saying is, you got scholarships for men and women. That right, that's not the meet. issue. You got here. travel. Uh, I know, again, but you got to you got to pay those. Is what I'm saying, and that's why I'm asking you if you think that the cost of the ice rink is the issue for why they canceled the program. Well, if you're paying a million dollars to operate your program or something thereabouts, and somebody is offering to take a big chunk of that expense off your hands, then what's the problem? Because if that's the case, I'm pretty sure if... Yeah, well, that, that's exactly what I'm asking you. Is, is that what the case is, that the costs are too high? Or is it just that the... Uh, the president honestly, of the university is tired of hockey. Um, I, honestly, the way I read it, and this is strictly my reading of it, okay, one of the biggest school boosters and the president of the university, just not hockey fans, and are like, no, we don't like the fact that the hockey program gets more publicity than the basketball program. That is yeah, really that, the way I read it. Yeah, that's okay. what I was asking you. So it's well, not that's really, the way I read it. It's not, I know, but it's not really about the cost of the arena. In, in the ice time no. and running the program, it's about no. the fact that they're just not interested in the program. Correct. Well, well listen, I just sad. I try, sad. I'm sitting here. And I I want to make sure that I pass along accurate information, even if I don't have all of it. I still want whatever I pass along to be accurate. Well, I think that would be extremely helpful if you didn't have to pay for the the arena. I, I would get the guess that that would be uh, a plus. But but still, I'm not sure if that's what the main cog is there because up until now, I've never heard anything about RMU having financial issues with their program. Have you? Um, no. Well, that's part of this too. Okay, it 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 was done behind closed doors. Two people made a decision and made it unilaterally. Or excuse me, one person. Uh, entirely influenced by one other person it seems basically made this decision behind closed doors so yeah i i hear you okay well um that's about as good as it can be put so here's my uh here's my suggestion how about we take a quick break we'll hear from some of our partners and we come back and we uh talk some hockey with a super fan in victor penman okay Sound good all right all right, we'll be right back. Give us a couple minutes. At Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or BehindTheMask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com. top teams. America's number one conference is back. See every play, every hit, every goal on nchc.tv. 
your home for more than 100 live games. Stream anywhere from the start of the season, leading up to the frozen face-off. If it's NCHC hockey, it's on nchc.tv. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and loaded. All right, welcome back in, hockey fans. This is College Hockey Southwest Live, our reaction show. Scott Strandy joining you from beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, Paul Hornstein, joining me from beautiful Long Island, New York. And, Paul, it is our pleasure to bring on the super fan. Uh, I don't know if we can call him that all the time. We call him just an honorary ASU alum, but Victor Penman is with us. Victor, Scott, and Paul with you. How are you tonight? Excellent. Thank you so much for having me on, Scott and Paul. It's a real uh, uh, privilege to be on the show. Uh, we, don't, don't go that far. Don't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> We're just here to talk hockey and have fun. And and we've been talking to a lot of players, coaches, um, yeah, anybody that wants to talk hockey with us. But you know what? We haven't spent enough time talking about fans. And uh, I mistakenly called you an ASU alum just because um, – you you are an ASU supporter, fair enough? Correct. <laughs> okay, give us okay, a little wait. back. Now, oh, hold on ahead, a second. I mean, if you're going to make a mistake, that's the kind of mistake to make. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's, there's nothing wrong with being called an ASU alum. I, trust me. <laughs> oh, no. Growing up in Canada, you know, the, um, the atmosphere at university sports events and just the, uh, the loyalty and the and – the, you know, cross school rivalries just doesn't exist to this degree. So I latched on to Arizona State University many, many years ago. And little did I know at the time a hockey program would emerge, but I'm just in college hockey heaven right now. Um, being able to spend time in the desert and watch high caliber hockey, it's just, it's an unbelievable thing that I couldn't have predicted. But uh, I feel pretty blessed. I can tell you that. Well, how did that happen though? I mean, uh, I, I I can tell you that I mean I basically went to ASU by accident. <laughs> okay, um, uh, I, my parents dragged me out there, and it was, it was like, all right, I'll go here. I'm here. And, I mean, that's literally how it happened. So, but you're up there in Vancouver or a suburb of Vancouver, or yeah, I'm in North Vancouver. So I'm I'm okay. literally right across the harbor from downtown Vancouver. It's a you know a 15 minute drive into into downtown. It's right right on the ocean or on the in the harbor, and it's you know uh, pretty scenic, beautiful rivers and mountains right behind us. It's it's an unbelievable place to live, and and I grew up there and I raised my family there. So uh, you know, but in Vancouver, um, you know, we do have local universities, and they're right. great universities. And I did my schooling in the Vancouver area um, right. and obviously settled down, had a family and, and, a, and carved out a, a career in Vancouver. But as a Canadian sports fan, we're inundated with American sports. You know, we get all the major right. U S networks growing up and, and it's just, 
you know, the regalia that goes with U.S. sports. I mean, we're inundated with it, and I fully absorb myself in it. Now, the closest university to Vancouver is University of Washington, you know, so the big, right. big time NCAA school. I just right. didn't, I just never really felt a connection with the Huskies, you know, with all due respect to all the Husky fans out there. But from a very early age, for a variety of different reasons, I felt a connection to Arizona State University. And while you fell into, or, uh, you know, <laughs> by, by accident, you know, uh, ended up as an Arizona State student, I mean, that would have been you know, utopia for me to be able to go to school <laughs> down here. It's just difficult as a, as a Canadian, unless you're on a full ride or something, it just didn't happen very often in those days. But if, if I could redo everything and can completely control my destiny, <laughs> I absolutely would have spent four years at Arizona state university and hopefully would have been a student athlete as well. Four years. Yeah. Why not? Paul was there for, was there for half a dozen at least. Or, or longer. But yeah, I was going to yeah. say, four years. I only left because they wouldn't let me stay anymore. So um, yeah. uh, let's just say the reputation of Arizona State <laughs> University as a fun school um, preceded itself. I mean, it's uh, legendary. So don't think that didn't factor into my uh, you know, affection yeah, for the school. Especially in the 80s, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, now, as an, somebody who decided to support the school, um, was there one be, before the hockey program? Because I'll mm -hmm. tell you, back in the 80s, when I talked about hockey, I got laughed at at the university. Yeah. Okay, um, because I spent a bunch of years there working – uh, at the student radio station. And so I was uh, interacting with people in the athletic department all the time. Uh, what was your number one thing when you uh, decided to, I don't know, hook up with the school? I don't even know how to. to, to yeah, I mean, my allegiance. attraction to the school or my, my um, you know, what kind of, I guess, sparked my interest. It, I mean, it goes pretty far back. Uh, as a As a young guy watching NFL and, and other sports, I mean, there were certain athletes that, um, you know, that became my favorites. And one of my big favorites, anyone that, that went to high school with me could tell you, I, for whatever reason, I loved Danny White. I loved Roger Staubach okay. and the Cowboys. Okay, well, so uh, I was now, a big we, Roger now Staubach we, now fan. Gonna, now we're going we're, 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 we're to leave that alone for, for, for the purposes of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, and, Danny White, yeah. I understand. And, and as and as Roger Staubach started to you know sort of fade into the you know into retirement, and Danny White took took the the center stage. You know, I was I was a big Danny White fan. I mean, believe it or not, I had a Danny White poster that went beside my Roger Staubach poster, and and I would watch him on national television, and they just kept saying he's from Arizona State University. So, I mean, that that is probably, I've, I've kind of described this to friends, that's probably my early earliest memory of a connection to Arizona State University, other than watching Arizona State football on national television, which really wasn't a common occurrence in Canada. We would get inundated no. with, with other, like with Pac-10 schools or Pac-8 schools, and Arizona State University, I don't believe, was in the pack, you know, pack whatever it was at White the time. Days, no, no. So, so I used to get Stanford, um, you know, all the California schools, which I hated, and I would get Washington State, and I would get, mm -hmm. I would get the Huskies. But when when Arizona State was on TV, I would always watch because I was okay. That's Danny White's school. That's my school. <laughs> well, see, it's, <laughs> it's it's weird, Victor, because um, 
my first exposure to Arizona State long before uh, the the thought of going, you know, and anything happened with going to school there was late night Fiesta Bowls in the mid seventies with Danny White at quarterback oh, on yeah. a little black and white TV. So, mm-hmm. um, and I have a Danny White Fiesta Bowl replica jersey that I wear with pride, you know, on special <laughs> ASU events. Gosh, you two are really old. You know that? Yeah. Oh, there is no doubt about that. I but I was old when I was that age too. So, yeah. um, and listen, black and but white other, TVs were yes. there telephones yeah. back then? Things like no. that? No. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Off off the track a little bit, but I want to get back on the track a little bit because Victor, you you've got a place here in Scottsdale. Are you here now? Right now? I actually I am. Yeah. Okay. I've escaped Canada. <laughs> okay. I snuck out and I'm, I'm living, living a free life here and, and obviously planning to return eventually, but you know, I'm watching the news and, and monitoring the situation there carefully because re- a return is inevitable, but it's complicated to say the least. So down here I'm living free and it's, and I try not to um, gloat too much to everyone back home because I, I just am constantly reminded that what's happening at home is not what's happening here at all. Well, and listen, Victor, you know this better than anybody, I I would imagine. Um, But there are a lot of Western Canadian transplants in Arizona. I am aware of that. (laughs) See, well, I knew you would be, but, (laughs) uh, you know, there are a lot of people that are not aware of that. They just think that the entire Valley of the Sun has been invaded by the city of Chicago. And, you know, nobody there is from anywhere else. There is a very large contingent of Western Canadians that um, flock, you know, south and always have. And they're not not all the snowbirds, the classic snowbirds that come down and spend a whole six months. If you live in Vancouver on the West Coast, which is just three hour drive north of Seattle, very close to the border, when you're going south for a U.S. getaway, as opposed to the Eastern Canadians who go to Florida and other places, maybe the Carolinas, we, right. we go, when we go south and we want to go somewhere warm, California is, and Gulf, it's Palm Springs uh, or, it's, or it's Arizona. So, you know, I've, I've spent some time in Palm Springs and it's just, it just doesn't cut it. So um, Phoenix area, Scottsdale in particular, always was... And always has been for Canadians and for myself, a destination where you come down, you relax, you get some sun. It's only a two and a half to three hour flight, usually direct flight, and you can golf like crazy and and you get all the major league sports and you just, you know, and, and all the special events that happen in the area too. So it's it's a it's an attraction for for Western Canadian tourists, but it's also obviously there's a lot of people that do a full six months here from all, all across Canada, um, and many of them are from uh, probably more the, the colder provinces, but there's probably a heart, larger percentage of people that come from the colder provinces for the whole six months, but I know lots of people in, in the Vancouver area that come for months at a time in the winter as well to escape the rain. So, Victor, when you look at Arizona State hockey in particular, and you've seen it now over the last six years and where it's gone from club hockey to uh, – NCAA hockey and then the NCAA national tournament. Uh, as a fan, how heartbroken were you to see the pandemic hit 
and uh, destroy that run that would have probably been another NCAA tournament run and then wipe out basically a season because I don't know if we can call it a season when you're playing all your games on the road, right? Yeah, it's, it is. I mean, obviously, there's everybody's got a different experience related to the pandemic. And when you watch, I mean, I have kids myself that, that play sports and, and hockey in particular. And as a hockey parent, it's heartbreaking to see, you know, the, the, the road that these kids have to go to all student athletes and the grind and the dedication and the sacrifice for such a limited opportunity over, you know, a year or several years in this environment and, and to see it just disappear overnight and to see their dreams washed away or their lives changed pretty dramatically. It's, it's heartbreaking. It hurts programs obviously in it and the fans are disappointed, but the kids that they go through years of sacrifice to get themselves in that position only to see it gone is it's devastating. And, and I can totally relate to, to the, the, you know, obviously the players, but the families of the players, because you just don't know where you're left, what, you know, what you're left with at the end of it. You don't, there's so much uncertainty and all hockey players face something similar. Um, but these, these guys, these college athletes are right on the brink of taking a really big step to something else. And for it to be, for the pause button to be pushed or for it to disappear completely is, has got to be really, really, you know, devastating for those players and the families. So let me ask you this real quick, because we had um, Riley Stewart on the show. um, Let's see, was it Tuesday night, I guess. And when Riley was on, and of course, Riley's a recruit and hoping to come here next, not this coming season, but the following season. And, uh, one of the things he said, Victor, was, boy, I sure hope I get a chance to play at Oceanside. <laughs> and to hear him say that, a lot of us go like, what, really? And he's going yeah. like, yeah, we, I, I really wish I could play in Oceanside at least for a little bit of time. Um, so when I say that, you've been to Oceanside plenty of times. Oh, um, yeah. What is it about Oceanside that, that's kind of attractive? I mean, we know the guys love it there, and we know that they love to make it their home ice, but – Can you put a uh, finger on that as a fan? Well, Oceanside Arena, you know, when you compare it to all, you know, on the national stage of of hockey venues, obviously it's not going to rank anywhere in the top 100, but it's going to, (laughs) but in terms of the hockey, (laughs) yeah, I'm being diplomatic, but the, you know, when you, in terms of hockey culture and hockey culture is pretty unique and, and people that are hardcore hockey fans or hockey players love the hockey culture and probably part of the hockey culture is dark, dingy, small barns, you know, where that are unique and almost comical, but have their own nuances and and idiosyncrasies. And Oceanside Arena is, um, is one of those places. And I know that obviously we'll talk about it probably in a tonight, but we're looking forward to going to the new arena, but I've said it before. I will miss games in there because of the intimacy I've got a ticket in there and there's probably what four rows or five rows. I, you know, my kids play a minor hockey in larger arenas than Oceanside arena, you know, they've been playing in larger arenas since they were six years old, but, (laughs) but, and I've got a seat, my season tickets are, are in the bleachers, but I locate myself, you know, down in the corner on the glass 
and and it's you're in it, you know, and and you see everybody in the Arizona State hockey world, including yourself. I see you at games. I see I see the coaches. You see the players, the parents, and I think that will be lost a little bit in in a larger venue. I walk in in and around, you know, I, I'm almost embarrassed to say that after a, a big win, I actually ran past the scoreboard and or behind the scorekeepers and Joel Palmer, I think I was on the bench high-fiving the players as they were coming off. Now, <laughs> that's probably not going to fly in the new arena. Yeah, um, and it probably raised a few eyebrows at the time, but it's just an example of how much fun that arena has been. And you know, pucks bouncing off the popcorn ceiling and, you know, the frustration you see of the visiting teams and the winning record that that, that ASU has had in that arena is pretty impressive. So well, those are things that are going to be legendary, you know, down the road. You're going to you're going to recall nights and, and instances in that arena that you're never going to be able to recreate in, in a modern arena. Now, listen, people forget that NHL rinks were not always uniform. Chicago Stadium, uh, Boston Gardens, they, they, they were not always uniform in terms of, of, of the size of the ice rink. So, um, you know, obviously they, they were a little higher in the ceiling, but, you know, those kinds of things made it very tough to, to, to play in. Um, you know, the, the little old place by me about, you know, 45 miles and 55 hours based on the traffic, um, you know, when Nassau Coliseum closes, I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah, you know, I, for 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 the old school arenas. I mean, that's that's this is the last one, and you know, uh, there will there will be something missing. And you know, let's ASU's had some big wins over big time teams in that building. Yeah, I think um, you know there was a time when, as a hockey fan. Or a sports fan, you would want to, you know, make an appearance or have an experience in those legendary, those legendary venues. And you know, it's just not the same appeal. You know, if if I could go back in time and go to a hockey game in Chicago Stadium or in Boston Garden, I would do almost anything to do it. Would I make a trip just to be in United Center? Probably not. Montreal Forum, Maple Leaf Gardens. I mean, would I make a trip? You know, and and incur a huge expense to just to sit in United Center or TD eh. Garden? Probably not. It's it's no. they become pretty generic. I think the NHL uh, entertainment, you know, a night of entertainment in an NHL game is pretty streamlined. It's pretty similar from city to city. And I think in the old days in the old buildings, each club had their own way of doing it, and um, and the building was a huge factor in the experience for the fans. Absolutely. Right. So I'm as long as you bring up going back in time, okay. I'm gonna gonna ask this question because I know uh, in November of 2014, when ASU announces that they're making the jump from ACHA to NCAA, uh, I know I had to look at my phone at least a half a dozen times before I believed it. What was going through your head on the on, on that day? Oh man, uh, okay. I was following just just the give you a little bit of background. I was following the club teams down here before the NCAA team, not, not for deck, right. not for 10 years, right but on our trips down here. And on my excursions down here, I would get my ASU. I was so, you know, so thrilled. Even when they had a, you know, an ACHA team, I would go watch the D two 
team. I would watch the D1 team. Whoever was in town, I would check the schedule and I'll go watch it. I happened to be down here uh, when the announcement was made. So it was it was almost like destiny. I was in town. Maybe it was maybe it was my I added to the um, you know, the the vibe or the 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 luck of the franchise. I, I'd like to thank, you know, I gave them sure, why some not? Good, some good feels, right? By being in town. Uh, <laughs> why not? A, a couple weeks before the uh you know, let's be let's face it, I had nothing to do with it. But it, it felt like I I did and when it was announced, I couldn't believe it. I was I was going insane. I almost thought it can't be true. It has to be somebody's idea of a cruel joke. Yeah. But once I realized that it was true, my my imagination ran wild because I started texting people and I was already envisioning myself being down here, you know, in my mind for the entire hockey season. My wife said, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> but, and I had a job. I was still working at the time. I'm retired now, but I can't have that. But it was like, you know, I just, I was, I just couldn't believe it, you know? And I, and, um, and it's exceeded as, as great as it was. And, and, and as how I imagined it when it was first announced, you know, my experiences at the games and and just the the entertainment value of, of watching that team grow has been has exceeded my expectations. It's truly unbelievable. And um, and I but, you know, if that if it hadn't been announced, I would still be going to the, the ACHA games. And right. I still do, you know, when I'm in town right. and they're happening. So I would still I would still love ASU hockey. But this just took it on to a completely different level. Like I tell Scott all the time, it's like Christmas every weekend. <laughs> it really well, is. It's, Victor, it's, it's, been six, it's been six hockey. years. It's been six yeah. years, and it still feels like a Christmas present every time I watch him play. Yeah, and it feels like Christmas every time I buy a new jersey because I've got about 15 of them, I think, oh or something. Oh, my God. I'm going to get ready to declare bankruptcy if you do that. Yeah. Holy smokes. <laughs> Uh, so, Victor, I was saying, I grew up in, in northern Minnesota in the state of hockey where there are now six NCAA Division I programs, and it, it seems like just a, a glut of hockey wealth, almost too much to me, um, when you could have an entire conference and never leave the state if you wanted to. But uh, when we talk about conferences for Arizona State, you've seen them enough now. Uh, you've seen them play different teams. You have a preference on where you'd like to see them? What conference you think that they would be a best fit for? It's a tough one because, on the one hand, you know I love to see them playing against the Big Ten because I mean those are very high-profile teams, and I think it's probably as huge benefits for the players in the program to play on that type of a stage. But it's also a highly competitive conference, and as is you know if you're going to be tucked in with with North Dakota and you, you, you know you're you're in for it every night because those are powerhouse programs so part of me wants them to be in a high profile conference where they get lots of national coverage and lots of exposure but part of me wants them to be able I like the independent schedule right now and I know it's it, it can't last forever but I like how they can blend in some of the top teams and the high profile teams and ranked teams with some easier opponents where they can, you know, grow a bit as a team and have some room to move around with the puck and, 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 and build their stats and their numbers and, and build confidence and take a bit of a break from those powerhouse teams and then come at them hard when they face them. And it was, I think, you know, when they played the big team, big 10, obviously the circumstances are very difficult with the team being on the road the entire time, basically that they were, 
you know, that the season was happening. So there were, there were definitely some challenges associated with, with last season. Um, and they, and they did show well in a lot of the games, but you could see that there's no break, you know, it's just, they're just uh, in for it. They're in tough every single game, every single period because the level of competition is so high. So I got we need to find a conference where there's some high profile teams and also some games <laughs> where you can kind of, Kind of cruise through and, and get some wins, right? And 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 pad your stats. Like you see Johnny Walker sound five games. <laughs> you want your own Western Conference League? <laughs> well, don't we well, all? Uh, exactly. That but, would be nice. Yeah. So, so that Victor, would be nice. you know what you're saying is basically what Coach Power said for this year when we talked to him about the schedule. He said a couple of things that jumped out. I know what Paul and I. He said first of all, they're going to be 20 home games instead of uh, a, a mix or not enough in his in his words. Um, 20 home, 16 on the road. The other thing he said that I thought was really interesting, he said he built his schedule as an independent into thirds. A third of the schedule was very high-profile good teams. A third of the schedule was maybe middle-of-the-road teams. And a third was what he would consider maybe lesser uh, talent in the NCAA. And he said the idea behind that was he wanted to build a resume or a schedule to build a resume from that would – um, leave him in the best position as an independent to get an at-large bid into the tournament. Sounds just like what you're saying. I think, yes, I think we're on the same page, Coach Powers and I. Um, I I think that's a great strategy. And and he's being very honest by saying that because you could probably, you know, articulate it or, or sell your strategy in a different way um, and describe it in different ways, but he's being very honest when he says that. I think that's important. I think seeing, you know, having kids that play hockey, having played sports myself, you do need games where you can flourish a little bit and you can, you can pad your stats and maybe, you know, set some school records. Build some confidence. Yeah. Build some confidence. And, and the fans want to see the team win as well. Right. So I think it's good for the program and the community that's following it as well to see some wins and string some wins together um, because when you're losing four, five, six games in a row, even though the opponents are, you know, top ten or top five teams, it it's damaging, I think, to the confidence and the psyche of the of the team and to the group that's following it. So it's nice to be able to get those those easy wins. And I think every team in every league normally gets those. So it's just in college hockey, um, the way that the teams are organized, you know, and the options that are available to them. So there's, there seems to be real top-heavy conferences where there's just really super competitive perennial teams, and there's other conferences where if they slid in there, they could probably finish first every year, but it probably wouldn't grow the program to the coach, to the coaches and athletic directors' satisfaction. Yeah, I, uh, I, I totally agree with you on that. And Paul and I have had this discussion as well, Victor, with uh, what happened at uh, Huntsville. Uh, they, they get a resurgence, right? They, they get this money to supposedly sustain them for 10 years. And then they immediately, uh, in their first, first year out of the pandemic, say we're going to suspend the season because we don't have a conference affiliation. And, and my question to you is, and this might be a, a two-parter, but – is it Coach Powers that that is able to go out and schedule a full thirty-six game schedule as an independent? Is that is that him, or is it Arizona State weather, or is it a combination? Because why couldn't Huntsville do that? Yeah, I you know from afar, following the struggles that some of the schools that that have had, 
I don't understand why they wouldn't just reach out to Coach Powers and say, let's talk about how it is that you accomplished, you know, kind of a creative schedule or, or an adaptive schedule um, and make a season work somehow. I hate seeing programs just fold up and leave town. Um, you know, we talked about the pauses in the season for established teams, for athletes to completely lose their program, you know, or their team and all the uncertainty that goes with that. It's kind of hard for me to wrap my brain around, but I think that Coach Powers has done an unbelievable job networking and communicating with all the different programs and and coaches and establishing relationships with a lot of prominent programs um, so that so that he can get the level of competition that he wants and um, and the flexibility and and all the other variables that work in Arizona State's favor. And um, obviously the travel is a big factor, things like that. But but I think that um, that the independent schedule, if for me, it's going to be tough to just settle into one particular conference because I have really enjoyed watching the variety of, of teams that have come into town here and the buildings that they've traveled to. And to just get locked into one particular conference is going to be a little bit of an adjustment for me as a fan, because there's going to be some strong programs in there, um, but there's going to be some less attractive opponents that you're going to face year after year after year. Well, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I do want to see them in a conference and I have my own personal preferences uh, and they're not necessarily all the same, but uh, I, I kind of would want to, I do want to see one year in the new building as an independent team just to see what kind of schedule now that they're playing in it, that they would be playing in a new building and, and not Oceanside. What, what kind of matchups we can get in terms of uh, marquee matchups. Um, I understand the attractiveness of the big 10 teams. I really do. Um, but I saw them all for an entire year. Like, like they were part of that conference and I'm just curious. Just I, I don't know if it'll happen. It might. Who knows? Uh, at least one year uh, of an independent schedule in the new building, uh, even if it means saying, "All right, we're going to join the conference in twenty three, twenty four, so we have time to set up everything." Um, that is at least a curiosity. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I would love to see exactly that. And I think it would be fun for the fans and it'd be a fun environment to handpick the teams that come into town. And Coach Powers has done a great job of, of his selections and the rationale behind it. And as a fan, I've, I've always been really excited to see a, you know the schedule roll out. It's kind of like, like you say, it's like Christmas. You don't know who your opponent's going to be and there's always surprises in there and some big ticket items. It'd be really fun to have that flexibility in the first year. And, yeah. and I don't know to what degree coach powers factors this particular thing in, but I think it would be fun for all, you know, for players from all those programs, as many as possible, different programs come in here and see what Arizona state has to offer. And so we can cherry pick a few of the top players from some of the other schools, perhaps. <laughs> well, um, we all know that they'll be fighting to come there in December, <laughs> January, and February. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Okay, so uh, 
before we let you go, we got to let you pump your chest a little bit because uh, the Canadians won the U18 uh, tournament that I was at. The Canadians just won gold again in the uh, the World Championships. So um, Canada is back, or were they never gone, Victor? I'm happy to see Canadians on the podium or lifting any kind of hardware because I can't remember the last time a Canadian National Hockey League team raised any hardware. So, and the Canucks, heartbreakingly Victor. enough, have been so close. Dude. Yeah, and it's it's been a, a lifetime. And the Canucks have been right on the doorstep. I'm a diehard Canucks fan. I work Canucks games, so right. so I'm pretty invested in them. But so to see to see Canada, you know, hockey Canada, and in our international teams doing well is always gratifying. I feel like we've always been strong in international hockey when we have, you know, where we're able to field the best players, you know, available kind of thing. Um, the U18 was really fun to watch because you know I was familiar with a few of the players. You know, these are players that that you know I'm watching as a fan, but also I've encountered these players through, go, through go hockey ahead and circles. Tell us, through because my... you, you told me you and I were going back <laughs> and forth on, on one in particular, but just tell us how yeah. good uh, Connor Bedard is. He's a, he's a, an amazing, you know, I, I shared with you during the worlds there, the U 18s, he's obviously a phenom in terms of hockey talent, but he's an, he's an amazing person and his family is amazing. And we had the distinct pleasure of having Connor on our on our uh, Bantam AAA our U15 AAA team for one season. So Connor obviously is is a player that's that has moved around and is in high demand. His family made for you know for logistical reasons made the decision to play one season with North Vancouver Storm AAA program, uh, which is my son's you know growing up that's his home organization. And he came in, and you know he was already a high profile player at. Uh, he was, I think, 12 years old at the time. You know, he was, and he, I love this you know, and he, and he walks in and he, he, I wouldn't say he looked like a little child because he's, he's always been, he's always trained hard. He's quite an athlete, but he had the baby face. And, you know, those kids at that age are starting to become young men. And, you know, young Connor comes walking in. And of course you get at every level, probably at he's faced and other players like him when, when players are playing up in age group. There was a lot of skepticism. A lot of people say he'll never be able to do it or he's going to get hurt. Um, and, you know, he's not good enough. And who does he think he is? And I'm telling you, it was that was that was a year we'll never forget because he lit it up, but he raised every player on that team to a higher level, my son included. And they had an amazing year and they they won a lot and they got they, um, you know, attracted a lot of attention mostly as a result of of his presence in the games but he was a great teammate his his family were were great you know we we spent a lot of time with him at tournaments and and in the home arenas and the visiting arenas and i just can't say enough about that family and that boy is um destined for great things that's you know obviously i'm not uh, the first one to say that but i've seen his confidence and maturity and i've seen what he can do firsthand I mean, we're talking. I told Scott, this 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 person is such a uh, gifted hockey player. You know, at, at 14, 15, 16 years old, a lot of the parents don't even bother going to the practices anymore. Well, we'd pack the place just to watch practices to see what Connor was doing out there, <laughs> and and you can see the other players attempting a lot of the things that Connor 
was doing, you know, in his subconscious mind, not really even intending to work magic, but he just does every time he has the puck. So, so seeing him in the U18s was, it was like a flashback. I've seen him do all those things before. It's just amazing to see him doing it with the maple leaf on his chest. Well, let me, let me throw in a couple of things here on that because uh, as you know, I was there and I wasn't able to see Canada because they were in the other building and you couldn't get in to see them. So I wasn't able to see them until we finally got into the, the quarterfinal round and uh, I, I saw them and I was just totally amazed at it. And I kept looking at the number in the roster and trying to put the faces together and obviously Mason McTavish stood out and, and other players stood out. But here comes this 15-year-old and he is carrying himself like uh, a true professional, and and I'll say that even though the IIHF will probably want to beat me over the head for saying that, but um, they're not but, the only ones. <laughs> I know, but anyway, I I watch him get a breakaway in that gold medal game and get stopped, and then I watch him go to the bench, and he's on the bench for a minute twenty five. He comes back out, he gets that opportunity. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, he goes from the right wing to the center on his backhand and rifles a backhand up over the shoulder into the top corner, which was just ridiculous. So I was impressed again with his skill level, but here's where I really saw him uh, and his character, uh, Victor, because when the gold medal was given out and, and they got the, the cup at the end and everybody was passing it around and you, you look and you go, geez, Connor's going to get it pretty soon, right? No, he's 15. He's like, the second youngest or whatever he was on the roster. And he waited while everybody else had that cup, knowing that he was a big part of why they won it. He waited till like second or third to the end to get that cup. And I'm going like, man, that is class because uh, at that age to be able to determine that, Hey, I'm not the star here, even though I am the star here uh, says a lot about where he's going. Now that, that that's the epitome of, of Connor Bedard. He's been like that for as long as I've known him. He's very respectful. Um, if, if you didn't watch highlights or, or watch him play live, you would never for a moment guess that he's, you know, a world-class athlete. He doesn't have the ego that you'd expect to go, to go with it. All he has is character and work ethic and, um, and a belief, strong belief in himself. You can see that he has a lot of self-confidence and, and the, the situation he described in that gold medal game was, was classic Connor Bedard, where when he was unsuccessful on the first attempt, he knows he'll get another attempt and he won't make the same mistake twice. And I've seen it over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff. Paul, you got one more before we let Victor go? All right. Uh, here's a question. This is going to be a little bit of a curveball just because... Uh, <laughs> that's what he throws. <laughs> I like those. Yeah, all right. Um, so... We always talk about the expansion of college hockey. And it always, and it is, you know, with all of the, you know, we have uh, Tennessee State going through a, uh, what the heck are they calling it? Um, study? Yeah, a feasibility <laughs> study. Yeah. And, and, and we hear about these every once in a while. Uh, there's a school a lot closer to where you're, where, where you live. In Simon Fraser, that's already a member of the NCAA. How do they not have a hockey team? Well, they have been talking about it for years. And, right, exactly. Um, yeah, so for s- several years ago, they they sort of embarked on what appeared to be pretty, you know, a robust recruitment process. 
to bring in players that may kind of have been on the verge of, of leaving college hockey or were kind of in limbo. So they actually did recruit, and I, and I, and I know a few of the players that went there, and they had been playing division hockey, division one hockey, and the circumstances weren't ideal for them, and they were ready to kind of pack it in and move on with their lives. So Simon Fraser brought a lot of these players in, and start, the talk began of them become, becoming a, a, a candidate for NCAA expansion. So personally, I thought that was very exciting because selfishly, I wanted them to be in the same conference as Arizona State University. So when I couldn't be in Scottsdale, I could just you know drive the 35 minutes to Simon Fraser's home arena and I could watch my beloved Sun Devils right in my hometown. But um, it really seemed to stall because they, they put a good team together what they thought was a pretty competitive team. And even in, you know, they came down, was it four years ago and, and had an exhibition game in Oceanside arena against what at that time wasn't the strongest roster that Arizona States had in their history. And they got pummeled by Arizona state university. I mean, it was, it was really interesting for me because obviously at home in my own backyard, there was a belief that they were ready to take that step. And you could see that they weren't because Arizona State was a new fledging, you know, um, school with, with you know, a, a portion of their roster that weren't necessarily legit NCAA one, Division One hockey players. And yet they just walked over Simon Fraser University. Um, and I, I, my recollection is the game got pretty rough the second game. <laughs> well, not, not surprisingly. So, yeah, you are correct. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think it would be amazing, you know, to have. I think, I think that there's a, a big following of, of college hockey. We don't get um, served up much in Canada, for instance. You know, there's a few games that are picked up by TSN. I, I watch as many games online as possible, but to have an NCAA team in town from my perspective, and I think from the perspective of, of all the young hockey players that are aspiring to play college hockey, to be able to go down the road and, and watch all the, the big names at NCAA would be, it'd be incredible. But, you know, I, I had my hopes up and now it looks, looks like it's, it's, it's just fading away. I haven't heard talk of Simon Fraser taking that step or, or building towards it for probably three years now. Yeah. It just, it, it, you know, when I heard that the first time I said, well, that makes perfect sense. And, and, and Lord knows that would help the Alaska schools too. I mean, Holy smokes, uh, giving them a chance to, to make some short trips, but, um, yeah, I was, like I said, they were one of the first schools publicly to, to talk about those feasibility studies and it, I guess it just made too much sense. <laughs> I hear you. Okay, final one for me, Victor, and we'll let you go as uh, we get ready to wrap up another show. And, and we thank you so much for spending the time with us tonight. But um, the Seattle Kraken, uh, they're going to be drafting here uh, July 21st, <laughs> so just over a month away. Um, your thoughts as a Vancouver um, fan, uh, Vancouver resident, uh, how is the uh, Seattle Kraken going to do uh, right out of the gates? Well, I hate them already. I, I haven't even seen the team. I don't know who they <laughs> Love are. This. Love it. Love um, it. I don't know who their players are. I don't know even know who they, if they if they've got if they've got a coach. It doesn't matter. Nope. I don't like them. I'm not. I don't Love like it. the name. 
Um, you know, I, I do like Seattle teams. I am a, you know, being from the West coast, I don't cheer for the blue Jays. I cheer for the Mariners. You know, I, I'm a Seahawks fan because I go to, I go to the games, you know, I can, I can drive three hours down the highway and I can go to the games. Uh, Kraken. No, I, I, you know what, I'm just watching them and I'm, I've got a list of players from the Canucks I'd like to offer up to them. I don't want them to necessarily have, yeah, I've I've got three, four players that are making six million a year that that would probably appreciate <laughs> stepping out of the press box and slipping on into a crack in jersey um but yeah as a canucks fan th- as soon as they was announced that's a bit of rival i'm not going to be driving down i'm not going to be supporting the crack and you're not going to see any crack in t-shirts in my closet <laughs> next to my asu stuff it's just not going to happen oh uh, uh, listen you got to go back to the blue and green up there though let's go come on let's go back to the Little hockey stick in the rectangle, and let's go. Come on, let's go. Yeah, we've well, we finally got the blue and green. We got to get rid of the whale. You know, that was we've got a whale on our jersey. We're not the whalers. We're not the. Orcas. Uh, yeah, if you're gonna do the we're whale the, thing, do the whole whale thing. Do it the right way. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like we. I agree with you. I I grew up, you know, watching the hockey stick in the rink and and uh, and Johnny Canuck and everything else. I I. I think we got to get back to basics and yes. get away from the uh, fish yes. on the jersey. Yeah, there's um, enough fish. It says we got the kraken. <laughs> we don't need whales and kraken. It's, it's well, getting crazy. I'll tell you what the big rumor is that I've been hearing for a while now is that you're going to get Rick talking up in the Northwest as the kraken head coach. Um, maybe that changed with Gerard Gallant's success with uh, Team Canada, but um, I, I've heard from some pretty good sources that. It's Tockett's job to say no to, so we'll see what happens. I know you don't give a rip one way or the other. Just let them let them do their thing, right? <laughs> if he wants to leave the desert and being able to golf twelve months of the year, and and you, you he's know he's always got a good decision. tan, and he wants to he wants to just walk around in gumboots and and with an umbrella and golf maybe three months of the year bring or the hate, golf baby you know, with, bring the hate bring that yeah what then, we like. then all the power to him i'd have i think he needs his head examined to to go there but <laughs> but uh but hey you know all the power to him i think galant would be a good fit in vancouver actually but um but <laughs> we're happy with travis green we like we like travis green but if travis wow. decided to go down the highway we would take gerard galant in a heartbeat Victor is an Islander fan. We'll have to have a discussion about this at, a, at another moment yeah. in time. And um, yeah. we'll, we'll go from there. Victor, thanks Sounds so good. much for joining us. Enjoy the uh, the beautiful weather, if we can call 100 and whatever beautiful. Oh, but- kiss my kiss. I love it. I love it. I love it. But but enjoy the uh, summer down here and, and and keep up with the uh, with the coverage too because every first week of every month I climb up to my favorite a new parking garage in Tempe and, and shoot some video of that new arena coming up. And I'm amazed every 30 days how, how much is gets done on that. So we're looking yeah. forward to be in it. We're looking forward to one more good year. As coach says, he wants to uh, go out of Oceanside in style. So look for uh, him to do something pretty special there this year. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Hope to do it again sometime. Absolutely. Anytime, Victor. All right, that's uh, super fan Victor Penman uh, from Vancouver, living in Vancouver, but coming to Scottsdale and, and a self-admitted ASU fan for a long, long time, longer than Paul Hornstein, maybe. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Listen, I, I you know I was 
I <laughs> I was aware of Danny White and ASU, but I didn't, you know, pledge any allegiance, so to speak, till I walked on yeah. campus in the summer of 1982. So, you know. I hear you. All right, let's take another quick break. Let's come back and wrap up this episode of College Hockey Southwest Live in about three minutes. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Bill Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice? Our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable. Show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates. You can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S., Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. If you live in the Valley, you know that there is no shortage of great Mexican food. But if you want authentic taste with a fair price and relaxed atmosphere, then head to Burrito Express. From the breakfast burritos served all day to combination plates for lunch, Burrito Express delivers that homemade taste you would expect from your own kitchen. Try all of our authentic Mexican recipes at any of our six East Valley locations, from Scottsdale to Gilbert and all points in between. ASU alumni owned and operated since 1995. Go to BurritoExpress.com and check out our menu or find a location to order for fast pickup or delivery. All right, we're back. College Hockey Southwest Live. Scott Strandy from Scottsdale, Arizona tonight. My co-host, Paul Hornstein, out on beautiful Long Island, New York. Paul, we're uh, we're running long, but we always got to do it. So uh, you know the drill. Tell me a little bit of what you thought from our uh, super fan interview tonight. Uh, it's, 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 let's just say it's a little bit like, uh, interviewing myself because we've similar experiences <laughs> to start with. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of was the same, the same style and you guys both bleed that maroon and gold stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, not that I want to insult Victor by, by comparing him to me cause that would be an insult, but, um, Victor's much better. Um, you know, I mean, that's the, you know, there were certain parts where I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's what happened to me. And that's what happened. To me, and that's what, that's what it felt like with me. And, and this is great. Let's go. Victor and I probably have some long conversations. <laughs> I think you could. Um, it, it, it's great to hear from the fans perspective because so many times we get caught up in the players, the coaches, things like that, but they're playing for the fans, right? And fans have opinions, and they have uh, 
a say in what happens, especially in, in the sports world, right? Because um, you can you can influence games. We're seeing it happen right now in Vegas. The fans in Vegas are influencing two games that uh, maybe Colorado is a better team, maybe not. I'm but sorry, the, I thought they were done. After, I, I, I thought difference. Vegas was done after those first two games. Boy, they look like it. Uh, they look very <laughs> tired and old in the first game. They battled uh, back and they played hard, and I thought they might have spent all their energy, but clearly, as I just said, the fans have inspired them and ask any player, they're going to say the same thing, that the uh, the ability to have your own fan base and a full uh, group, if you will, of medieval maniacs in that building, 18,000 of them to be exact, and probably another 10,000 outside, um, it makes a difference. So when when Victor talks about the things that he likes and the things that he likes to see, um, it's interesting, to say the least. Well, that's what's going to happen, right? Because when ASU does open up the new building, uh, it kind of starts all over again. You know, I, having not seen any games at Oceanside myself, the games that I've seen have been in other places. Um, you know, the thing about college sports is you start to build uh, traditions and, and, and atmospheres and, and routines uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, Well, I mean, one of the things that I, and I don't know if ASU will have this or not because they've kind of gone away, but one of the things I grew up on in college hockey were the bands. Well, the the band has got, I mean, that's got, that's got to happen. I mean, that was just, there's got to be at least a pep band in the new building that, that, that can't not happen. Well, you would sure think so, but you know, a lot of schools just don't have them anymore. And, uh, and it's not, uh, to me, that's a big part of the environment. So I agree. Hopefully that happens. We'll find out. Um, I do want to throw out a couple of things before we say goodnight. Um, the, uh, behind the mask goalie day. Uh, happened again yesterday, and all of the major manufacturers were there with their reps, and they were talking uh, about goalie pads. And um, that's what they do at the Scottsdale store behind the mask is they uh, are the biggest by far in the western half of the U.S. where you can go and try and buy uh, goalie pads. So congratulations to Randy for having another great um, show. I saw a lot of great giveaways and uh, a little disappointed that I couldn't be there, but I had other things that I had to take care of. So um, congratulations to him and the guys over there for the fantastic job that they do and for all the reps from all over the country coming out and uh, toting their products, if we will. Um, anything else you got on the uh, college hockey side of things? Uh, well, UMass extended Greg Carville. I think we might have mentioned that a few weeks ago, uh, but this is, you know, it came out publicly or at least on, you know, some of the main college hockey media, uh, their goalie, Phil Lindbergh, said, All right, I got my ring, we're out over the last couple of days. <laughs> so he's going to start. What, what, is, what does that mean anyway? Does that mean we can't get a second one, I don't need a second one, or this is really tough in college hockey to win two? Um, what does that mean? Or it could mean that uh, I just won a national championship and this might be uh, my best way forward to signing a bigger professional contract. My stock has never been higher. Exactly. <laughs> All right. If you got nothing else, take it away, my friend. We'll say goodnight at another College Hockey Southwest Live uh, presented by our friends at Behind the Mask. Behind the Mask's College Hockey Southwest Live on the Ice Time Hockey SW.com network has been brought to you by 
Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Go to CancionTequila.com to order any of our award-winning t- spirits, including Extra and Yeho, our new double-distilled, triple-filtered premium taste. Behind the mask, whether you use blades or wheels, whatever your hockey needs are, see our Three Valley locations or BehindTheMask.com. Buy Burrito Express, homemade taste, takeout speed. Six East Valley locations. Go to BurritoExpress.com to find the one near you. Buy Verizon Wireless, the 5G coverage America's been waiting for. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, the best in barbecue Las Vegas style. By the NCHC and NCHC.TV. Subscribe to NCHC.TV and catch all of the action from the toughest conference in college hockey. UNLV Hockey, ACHA Division I Hockey, fabulous Las Vegas atmosphere. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos worldwide. It's where the action is in the resort or in town. College Hockey Southwest Live presented by Behind the Mask and all of the IceTimeHockeySW.com podcasts are live on the Podbean app and are available for download at the iTunes, Google Play Store, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. Behind the Masks, College Hockey Southwest Live, and all of our weekly podcasts are a part of the IceTimeHockeySW.com network. All right, very well done, my friend. Uh, our thanks to Victor Penman, the super fan, um, the hockey <laughs> the hockey dad, uh, you name it. He's got a little bit of everything going on. And, and man, what, what a great place to be, right? He's either in Vancouver or he's in Scottsdale. Uh, does it get any better than those two places in the world? Uh, it all depends on what time of the year you're talking about. <laughs> uh, Paul, the Vegas Golden Knights just made it 4-1. to one. Uh, Jonathan Marchessault, Riley Smith, and William Carlson are having a day. That was a hat trick for uh, Mr. Marchessault, and there's 18,000 hats coming out of the rink, so it'll be another 15 minutes before we're able to get back to game action. That's right. It just is going to mean more games because this will guarantee <laughs> game six, so we're good. Absolutely. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Join us again tomorrow night for Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Tuesday night, College Hockey Southwest Weekly, and Thursday, and Wednesday night, Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Good night, everybody. Good night.